Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or go to your Facebook page and look us up. You can also hit see first to see and hear all the great programming we have here on WNHH. And Cannabis Corner is broadcast also on Greenhaven Media Facebook and on ProCannabisMedia.com. So, good afternoon. It is Monday, July 31st, 2023. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joe Lachance, and I am joined today by Mr. Lou Pino of Gene Traders. And Lou is an experienced chief executive officer with a demonstrated history of working in the marketing and advertising industry, skilled in radio, media buying, marketing research, event management, account management, and product marketing, strong entrepreneurship professional with an associate's degree focused in computer science from the University of Information Technology, providing services in brand design, management, consulting, project management, political consulting, corporate events, and event coordination. Gene Traders is an expo for the hemp cultivators interested in hemp genetics. We feature a variety of hemp genetics and cultivation techniques backed by the experts. Lou, how are you today? I know it was a bit of a formal uh, introduction, but I I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) good, good. I'm like, damn, Uh, I'm I'm awesome. (laughs) You are. You got a lot of credentials, and you know what, Lou? (laughs) You've been also in the cannabis game a long, long time. Like you were one of the first people I met, you know, when I started working. So you've seen this go from nothing, no, well, not nothing, to the underground, to now legalized and being sold in mass quantities uh, to anybody over 21. So it's been a long haul, and I'm you've seen a lot of changes come through, not only the industry but the community itself. Because you know, realistically, we just started out within a community. There was no industry, so to speak. You know, it's all been a community thing, and I think Gene Traders kind of carries that spirit along the way you run it and the way you do it. It's a community-based thing. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about gene traders, but there is an interesting story that hit the news yesterday that I think we should talk about concerning the Connecticut recreational industry. But um, 
Yeah. So Gene Traders, you've been along, around for a long time. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, what you've been up to lately, and you know, the impact that Legal Home Grow in Connecticut has had on your business. So our mission has always been a simple one, to facilitate the spread of genetics through education for enthusiasts. It doesn't matter if you're a small closet grower or a massive facility the size of two blocks. It doesn't matter. You need the right genetics in order to come out with really good quality product. And that's something that has been uh, in, a, in a hard way learned by big corporations that um, they can't just cultivate anything and then have it come out in top quality. A lot of times what you see with big corporations that know uh, for they get their lunch eaten, ate all the time by the small growers is simply because of quality of care that they're able to give the uh, more smaller batches amounts of uh, to the plants. So right. this ends up coming out of habits of home growers, right? And you know, um, we we continue to travel around the country. Every time a new state legalizes, we go, we put you know boots on the ground in every single state. We go all over the place. We talk at different you know um, platforms and medias. Uh, to make sure that the message of we should all be able to cultivate. Every single citizen in the entire country should be able to cultivate. So we've actually now changed, um, you know, not changed, but started out, you know, going for the federal legalization aspect of it right. and how the home grower ends up being tied into this whole thing. Because the small business, American business owner, is responsible for some of the biggest industries on this planet today. Amazon being one of them, Apple being another. They started in garages. And just like the beer industry, they started in garages. They started in basements. And now they have a small little IPA company making good money, a good business, small to medium-sized businesses, a lot more of them, right? And Connecticut is big on that one. Right. And it's, it's shown that they've hired a whole bunch of people. They've taken up more, uh, more um, you know, property, uh, paying more property taxes and having success. With that simple model, right? It's same thing. The better you can, end, the small batch you can end up giving us a better quality to, and we just continue to fight for the home growers and also too to make sure that you're growing the right type of genetics because you can end up being a home grower or a licensed facility with height restrictions. The ones that end up doing two tiers, three tiers, they have height restrictions. So good of the equatorial, aka sativas, they can't cultivate because they grow through the lights and they start causing right. like bud bleaching and all stuff too. So genetic consultation has become a bigger part about it too. Just simply making sure that they have access to the right thing that you might want to grow what's the height, but that doesn't fit your grow space. Right, right. And that I think is a, a something that a lot of people miss, you know, oh, I want to grow this bonfire seeds that I, I paid $200 for. And your closet space is short. You, you know, you're like, you don't have enough real ventilation, you know, you got to get the right genetics, especially if you're a beginner, right, they go out and buy these exotic seeds, and then they don't grow them properly, and they lose their whole crop, you know, so it's, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't want to lose money with failures, you have to kind of learn up front, what is the right way to do it? What is the best way to do it for the space you want to grow it in? What is the best soil 
And most importantly, what are the best genetics? What are going to grow well? And and also for your needs, your needs, your physical needs. Why are you smoking this? Do you want a sativa to be up? Well, then you have to have a larger, a taller space, like you said. Do you want to grow a heavy indica? Okay, well, you need this kind of soil and these genetics and this type of lighting. You know, they forget the the little details. They all think it's like tomatoes. You can throw it in the ground and just put a light on it and let it grow. But it's not. And it's a science. And that's, you know, that's something I think people need to know. And guys like you can help people do that. You know, like you say, genetics consulting, come right in, look at your space and, and then give you, you know, tell you what you need. Maybe it's better for you to grow clones, right? Because there's a lot of ways to grow besides just seeds. And besides the seeds, there's a lot of types of seeds. Do you want autoflower? So this is the type of stuff, right? Feminized, autoflower, non-feminized. So, you know, so this is a problem, right? This is so, um, uh, how do we, you know, separate all this, right? Because if you're buying a pack of seeds, you know, unless you end up, this is where gene traders ended up being born out of a need of one, getting genetics and two, a little bit of information, a few sentences about how this grows. That little bit of information ends up actually now becoming, uh, you know, uh, how with what that one strain, that one clone comes a whole SOP with that one. And that is able to actually right. make sure you get the max out of that. So the problem with if with any state that ends up either having no, uh, you know, home cultivation or limited home cultivation, meaning low numbers, um, it ends up uh, you limit your R&D, you limit your innovation. Because, I mean, think about it. How many names are there now? How many crosses? How oh many different types of Cs, auto, regulars, <laughs> autos, and fems? Like, it's so much. It is impossible for the legal industry to be able to sort all through all that stuff. This is why a lot of people and a lot of breeders lean on home growers, on uh, caregivers. Major, major top world breeders uh, end up giving their seeds to a home grower. And they have their own cluster of group of homegrowers that they trust. And it's here, 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 test these out. Let me know what you think. They give me some feedback because it's impossible for, even for oneself. I have so many seeds. I'm never going to be able to go through all that stuff. It's, it's, so I need, if I'm making, like I'm making more seeds now, I'm actually started breeding myself. I have cultivators that I send samples to cultivate. Let me know what the deal is, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's, it's something that you need part of the R and D. So if they have low numbers, that means that you're not really going to be eligible to cultivate for as like research, right? This is why you end up seeing states like uh, Michigan or right. um, or even um, Massachusetts, uh, also Maine, Oklahoma, Oregon, the ones that allow big, actually in Cali, that allow a lot of home grow, they end up leading the way in a lot of like hunting so some of the best growers end up being in these states not all of them they're spread all over the place everybody i mean we live in connecticut so um like uh a a michigan event just happened and i actually did a um something that i've been that's really important about these genetics is also talking to the breeders and also finding out their backstories and how this plant came to be which i tell you joe is probably one of the most fascinating things i've done in my life 
they, they, this guy, oh, I had to like sneak in a truck and like do this. And that. I mean, like some of the wildest stories just to get the seeds here. And as always, I love to say this, this fact, American genetics, even though we are not federally legalized, end up being the best and the most wanted on the planet. Really? American more than Canada, more than Amsterdam, more than Europe, more than anywhere else. And what we want, as far as American breeders and growers, we want land races, like the things that come from uh, the Congos, Morocco, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, those Caribbean. Yeah, those the the last those old old school like you know um, land races. Those are the ones that we're trying to bring those uh, cannabinoids and terpene profiles, you know. into the mainstream because what we're really looking for ends up being the V compound, THCV or CBDV. That V right. compound is incredible, but it's grown. It's only small percentages. And it seems like it's like equatorial types, meaning long, long, long flowering, which commercial facilities do not grow. Why right. don't they grow them? Because they take too long and they throw everything off. So it's based on to actually find these uh, THCV, very rare genetics on the home grower, on the caregiver. You see? And right. the thing about it is that we could do better research, but the DEA is standing in the way from actual pharmaceutical companies that are actually filling out all the information, of, uh, actually, you know, uh, applying for it, and the DEA is just doing nothing. Uh, their general phrase, um, uh, sentiments of being, we'll get to it when we get to it. When they're supposed to answer the application in 60 days, and some people have been waiting five years to get an answer of either yes or no. That's wow. their tactic. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. It's not important Which, to them. Right. Because how, so now it's still left and even still, right, to connect it to the home grower. If a company can't tell me, hey, this has a large amount of THCV, this is the type you should grow, and these are the steps you should do to grow that one to mimic its natural environment from outside because we are mimicking outdoors. We are an island indoors and whatever we bring on there is on there. If we don't have it, we don't have it. The plant, I mean, the plant doesn't have it. So it's left onto the home growers to do this unbelievably really important research because the DEA doesn't want us to do research on this. Well, yeah, well, we know there might be other entities that could be uh, encouraging them to hold it up. You know, I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Well, this so um, this and this is my view. This is uh, this is the stuff that, you know, we're seeing facts about this. Right. These are the stories that they uh, a lawyer just ended up uh, representing their client, ended up actually putting a complaint to Congress that the DEA is. Uh, actually breaking the law by not answering the application 60 days as they're supposed to, and that if they don't answer, they're going to get sued because of it. They need to get an answer. They're doing, they've checked off all the boxes. They did everything you asked them to do, right? And you're still, you're not answering the question. Like we're playing by the rules and you guys are not doing that. And now I just saw too that the NIH ended up actually patenting the cannabinoids, a group of doctors from the NIH. Patented cannabinoids? They have it. The government has it. So it says specifically, now you have to go to them, the NIH, to get licensed therapeutic pharmaceutical companies. Also, this is all like it's out there. And the thing about it is that it doesn't get a lot of press. No, of course not. What's getting pressed now? Cookie's getting sued again. Right. And and here's something. Theraplant. Now, did you hear about this? No, tell me. Theraplant went bankrupt. So, uh, yeah, Theraplant got sold. They went into bankruptcy. 
Uh, they got sold uh, to a company called Nuco. Uh, and so they are, they've been foreclosed upon and the new company will be taking over soon. So now this apparently was Connecticut's first ever commercial grower. They put out the first cannabis product in Connecticut in September of 2014, the first one to release it to the dispensaries. And here they are because of what you talked about in the beginning. They are now in bankruptcy in a state where the medical industry is making millions of dollars, right? They weren't even able to um, get their recreational conversion because they couldn't afford it. So they're out of the four growers. They're the only one that couldn't uh, sell and grow rec uh, for the adult use market. They stuck to the medical market because they were broke now they finally went bankrupt so now we're down to three growers in the state until this new company takes over i don't know anything Yo, about this one yeah is it me or this seems like a bold faith lie how the hell are they broke right i don't know also, also it's not federally legal how are they claiming bankruptcy isn't that like a federal thing I think it's state. No, you could do a state bankruptcy. They're in, uh, let's see what it says here. I smell shenanigans. And now right? I'm in the restaurant. They're, yeah, they I were owned by. I think to look better at those numbers. Why are they broke? They're, they're only, there's only four producers, correct? There's still the only four? Yeah, four, now three. Well, four. I'm sure this new company will open up again. But for now, there's only three. How many, and how many patients in Connecticut? Almost 50,000. Yeah. Following has, yeah, producer has new ownership following foreclosure proceedings. They $4,107,000 in debt. How many? $4,107,000 in debt. That is, wait, wait. And an additional $5 million in debt that the Green Rose Company will keep. So they had over they had about 10 million dollars in debt. Total. That ain't nothing. No, I don't know that why is, they, they had to go that's into nothing. foreclosure. That's nothing. That's nothing. That's Joe. That's every no, major you know, the 10 million is nothing, right? That's listen, no, least. I mean, uh, what was it? Um oh my god, was it Skymint? I think like 116 million dollars. 116 million. They didn't go bankrupt. They're working it out. Yep. Well, and mind guys... you, this is in Michigan where there's a lot of competition, but they're yeah. like one of the dominant ones. This again, this this ends up pointing to my point, right? The yep. big companies are figuring out too, and also too. I don't know if you knew, but Cureleaf is actually uh, closing out down their um, cultivation section. Pretty much, like that's their plan. They're going to stick to um, dispensaries, you know, huh? No, uh, manufacturing. Wow. So, yeah, well, you see Cureleaf is closing down operations in a lot of states. So your point truly, is well taken. I, yeah. That, and truly, if you see, have you seen that facility in Holyoke in, of Trueleaf? It's massive. Not, but I've heard they're dominant up there. Dude, they're closing down. It's massive. It's like three blocks. Like, it's huge. Like, 
I drove around. My friend drove me around it. It is so big, bro. Like I was right. like, yo, that's in what? It's it's. I'm like, yo, that's gonna fail. That's too big. Yeah, and it did. And it did. They closed it down. Well, they're concentrating on the concentrating on Florida. I mean, they got Florida on lock. They, they do. They oh, do. It's so bad. So bad that that it's a, and ten million they, for a license. Yeah, and that's it, right? And no, and that's, now, I mean, that's not it. That's just the, that's just the license to the state, right? Ten mil, ten mil to license, and I heard that their legalization proposal for legalization in Florida just hands it all over to the MSOs that are down there. Because I don't so, know if people know that Florida has a medical program, but it's completely, absolutely, one hundred percent, completely controlled by MSOs. Cure Leave, True Leave. There's about mainly four True Leave. Truly is the biggest, yeah. So you know, so I it's and this is and this is not like a, a hearsay or anything like that. Her husband, the truly for a CEO, her husband is currently in federal prison for bribery and you know, um, you know, messing with uh, um, like directing to have the medical cannabis law in Florida. He was found guilty of it. He's in jail oh, right now trying to because get- of it. He was found, no, for specifically for the MSOs. And oh they continued. God. And the thing about it is, right, like a week later, a story came out like the uh, Truly was giving Florida like $5 million for something. Oh, gee. Yeah. Like, like that. Like, I was like, yo, I can't believe, like, this is like, I'm not an FBI agent, but I mean, come on. This is like, it's right, like uh, um, saying you're $4 million in debt. You're only one, uh, four, one out of four operators in the state of. 50,000 customers that they yeah. technically have nowhere to go. You started cultivating, but it's not, it's three and three. It's not enough to like really damage a market. Like it's not Connecticut ended up being, it's nice to be able to cultivate in Connecticut, but the numbers are still more for it is for self. And that's about it. And also too, the, I think the, the most unnatural thing, this is truly unnatural that Connecticut does is that you can't cultivate outdoors. I know, right? That's nature. It's so even mass lets you cultivate outdoors. Well, and that's the problem. The problem usually ends up being is where the the cannabis industry lie uh, uh, ends up at as far as which department will depend on how it's kind of run with Connecticut's DCP and they care consumer protection. Consumer right. protection. That's it. That's it. So, right. That's so they're all trying to protect the little kids and the consumers from seeing weed, you know, and smelling right. it, it's or maybe accident. Yeah. Right. 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 I get it. It's so I crazy. It. And and the thing about it is, right, it doesn't that doesn't make sense, right? Because it's just a plant. It's not gonna jump out of its roots and like run around. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's actually great for you know if you wanted to use it just for composting or actually to like you know refresh Absolutely. the ground. It's amazing. It's actually good for your soil in the back, too. So you actually use it for gardening, for like doing grows or all that stuff. It's an amazing actually crop to actually rotate into your own personal group. It's, it's amazing because uh, you can end up even if you have tall ones, you can end up doing fibrous types, which you can start making your own clothing bags, stuff like that, too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Un, like the hemp side of cannabis is such a massive list of things to possibly use for that yeah. I am like, we haven't even like. I know. I am like, always so- like, I've always said the real value is the hemp. The hemp is what, and, and you know, Jack Harris said it, right? Hemp can change the planet. 
And it really could. And we haven't even scratched the surface yet, Lou. And, you know, I, I, I go into a rant about this all the time. They're always talking about sustainability, sustainability, right? The federal yeah. government, all these people, they do not give a single subsidy to hemp, which is one of the oh, most sustainable work, work. things on the planet. They legalized it's, it for what? Let's it's, it's utilize it. They are uh, FEMA uh, um, in uh, Vermont. This the past storm that just passed. A lot of flooding ended up happening. People lost their farms and their and actual, uh, you know, uh, dispensaries. FEMA won't cover any of it. It's a natural disaster. And they won't cover the hemp farm. Nothing. I know somebody that lost both a farm and a dispensary all flooded out, like completely destroyed. They won't cover anything. Oh, man. And they won't cover. See? And that's and, the problem. So, the, and like, I think so in Connecticut, hemp, it's, hemp it's a fuels. good hemp thing. In Connecticut, we have good hemp laws, I, uh, you know, I believe. And why do we have good hemp laws? Not nah, well, they just hemp- changed them. Did they? What, the Delta 8 part of it or something like that? Yeah, all the CBD. They made all the CBD in Connecticut has to be THC free. And then they changed all the packaging requirements. So all the gummies uh, and things have to be individual in five milligram doses. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They're they're going, oh. they, they aren't supporting the hemp industry in Connecticut. I can tell you what all. that's connected to. What's, I figured that I, so it's that has to deal with, right? There is medical benefits, you know, uh, actually clear, evidence-based, scientific-based medical benefits to these compounds. And what I've actually noticed too with a lot of different states is that they're actually starting to get harsher on CBD for the purposes of now trying to really, um, that's up. So the CBD part, they can be mass produced, right? Right. Because if you're talking about edibles, tinctures, all that stuff, so you're talking about distillates, it's all scientific all across the board. So you're able to really upscale to a massive thing. You can't do that with cannabis products because of the human palate itself. So it's it's much, much, it's very complex to try to match that kind of upscale type of thing. Um, right. But you can with hemp because uh, the thing with hemp is that you can, like Connecticut, you can grow it outside in right. ma- quantity, massive quantities. Massive quantities. Massive and that's something, too, that the turp profiles and the cannabinoids, you'll be able to get a huge amount if you're able to grow a huge amount. And this right. is where, like, you know, making sure that it's under the Department of Agriculture is very important. important now you're talking yeah. about the distribution part of it, and then you're talking about sales, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff, too. They can end up putting small things. But it's okay. We can end up flipping them back because a lot of stuff for the basic farmer to individually wrap something is going to cost them too much. And since America's big on like not hurting the small farmers, that's going to end up turning around ultimately too. It is. It and takes, and it takes, a while just, though. it takes a while. I just thought of something though. A lot of hemp farmers have said that they may have to stop. They may have to go out of business, et cetera. Why don't they convert to the industrial hemp? It's obvious that the medicinal hemp part is kind of burned its way out. Like the market is getting more and more closed. Like now the dispensaries and the big guys are going to be able to produce the stuff that does have THC in it. Right. That's what they did. They made it so that anything that is full spectrum has to be sold out of a dispensary. Anything sold out of a head shop, gas station, convenience store has to be Connecticut compliant. 
CBD only, 0% THC, plus, of course, the ban on all the lesser cannabinoids. So why don't these farmers convert to industrial? And why don't the, the, the Hemp Association get together and try and start a robust industrial hemp industry here in Connecticut? And that you know, I mean, it, right would flip, it would flip the script yeah. on them, right? It takes the right type of heads, right? You're right. You're right. right, right. Well, here we go, right? <laughs> yeah, here we go. And I hope the message gets out, you know? And it's like it would be right. real smart it, to switch so over. Let's say, so this is the problem part about dealing with like the fibers, right? The fiber genetics. It is about finding the right type of genetics to come out with the best product. Let's say right. you, it ends up being that something that contains more than 0% THC, right? Like it contains right. more, but it ends up being really tall, really strong for fibrous reason. It ends up being the better genetic, superior stronger yeah how how do we get around that part right because the flower itself it's that the flood so mind you like hemp you know uh dip them type of you know fibers hemp they grow together like by the thousands so it's just yeah. really long stocks and the flowers yeah. on top if that flower on top that i'm not going to use ends up testing above you know zero thc i have to burn it but i'm not it's not for smoking it's for making t-shirts yeah or bags or hempcrete right federally allowed by the american builders Association. yes it finally got approved yes so i don't you know you're right you need it people who think out of the box okay so connecticut is not cbd friendly right now but i have all this land why why don't i convert to industrial hemp right because you know it's good you probably get a better yield right you're going to get more stock more stuff. We gotta have the right type because you're talking about making sure that you know it's um it's same thing. It's still regional. You gotta have you gotta be growing the right type of genetics. Um, and I'm actually been at, uh, doing research on that one too with different farms around the country. Uh, and I've been uh, ordering batches of hemp from around the world. That's something that you know has been able since it's federally legal. I'm able actually to order different genetics right, from, from anywhere. Right, right, right. So I've ordered I order stuff from Greece. I order stuff from Spain. I've ordered stuff from China. The China ones are interesting because China never stopped growing hemp. They still right. they, they they are really industrious with it. Oh yeah, when the first when the CBD industry first started coming around way back in maybe two thousand eight two thousand nine where they had that certain companies like i think one was canaway and all that everybody was getting their hemp from china everybody was getting the hemp oil from china and they were finding out it, some of it was polluted with uh uh toxic metals like <laughs> yeah that. a lot uh, they came the under a lot of fire Ooh. from getting that hemp from china but that's how it started here in the u.s when CBD first started out as a, a medicine, it was out in Cali that I saw it. And I asked them, where do you get your hemp if it's not legal? And they said, oh, China, China. And then as it kept going, I think it was called Canaway. That was it, that company. And there was a few of them. And they were just mass producing CBD products, not even that good. But that was the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know. Grab those. They got to grab those genetics from around the world. But the problem they know how to grow it that, on large scale. But so they don't, they're not. Yeah, it's you. They understand the use of it, so they're not. They don't care about the TAC percentage because that's no. not what it's being used for. No. And here in the U.S., I do have to worry about that. So I literally have to hunt, uh, uh, farm it out from different farms in different regions and see which one does best because. 
in Connecticut, because of the extra rain, uh, you know, how like that, I, it's not going to be the same as like in Arizona or in like Oklahoma. And, and or matter of fact, the biggest producer of hemp ends up being freaking uh, Kentucky. Right. Yeah, they are. Kentucky, they, they seem to have the perfect weather for hemp. They're killing so, it. Well, oh, no, they have the right type of genetics for their region. Right. That's the answer. So we just need the right type for this region and we can end up doing the same thing. Uh, that's the great thing about this, that this plant is incredibly versatile and, it, yes. you know, you, but you got to find it. What 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 uh, genetics are good for this region? And you got to start searching and then you got to pop them and then you got to hunt it. I even have even la once I find something, I have the tissue culture lab actually end up. Oh, actually, I've been doing the uh, tissue culture, too, as well. I got like two. So like doing a lot of like lab research. I was actually talking to my guy yesterday about. Uh, yeah, that's a whole nother way to cultivate is tissue culture. Right. People, a lot yeah. of people don't even know about that. But that tell us, explain that a little bit. Do you take the tissue from it? I don't know how it works. I'm I'm okay. kind of dumb like I, that. I, I talk. I, I travel, so I have to talk about. Do this it, yeah. Please tell us tissue so, culture. Tissue culture has always been around. At, not always been, but it's been around for a long time. It's generally used with the agricultural industry, and now still, and now so we're learning a lot of the industrious agricultural, you know, uh, techniques and and science um, to actually move over to the uh, cannabis and hemp side. So, tissue culture is just a sterilized way to clone you take a piece of you know a plant we make sure it has its node of any type and then you end up actually uh, going through a process of cleaning it that literally involves bleaching water alcohol water uh you know and then um putting it in an isolated container with what's at the bottom ends of being caused it looks like it's a gel but they have them different colors generally this it's clear um and uh, that's called agar, which ends up being sugars and proteins to add. Right. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's to help it root in a very sealed uh, environment. And what that ensures is that when you actually get it, that it's you can if there was any kind of mold or mildew, it shows like immediately. Like it looks like a fuzzy spot on the clear gel. So, it's like, oh, that's no good. So you can see that when a plant actually ends up rooting in a um, a clean environment. Uh, it doesn't have any of the stressors and they use it in technique to, to actually revitalize some old genetics that have been kind of around and cloned and cloned and cloned and cloned and cloned. They end up taking a marrow stem, which ends up being like if you end up peeling the bud sites all the way back, got like a little tiny like white ball, like ovalish. And you end up putting that in the agar in oh, a yeah. sterile environment and it brings it to its full, um, you know, vigor. The, back that, to its original potential oh wow like, yeah so it's just scientific like stem cells for weed that's it <laughs> so it's but it's not it's just it's, it, it takes about uh, uh anywhere from uh five to like eight months for that process to be able to have like a little plant with roots and then you can end up taking that out and put it in soil now you got a plant and but then that's you clone off done. of that yeah. yeah that's been done with corn with soy that's how they're able to make like thousands upon thousands of the same exact clone they end up doing it through like tissue cultures so they cut up all these nodes and like little plants and like just have like rooms oh, of wow. like little cups filled with them um it's yeah so it's just another method it's a sterilized method of cloning it's not that you know it's 
It's anything's yeah. really that <laughs> complicated. Amazing. You don't need to be a surgeon, huh? Sounds like that? something you need to be a surgeon for, but no. Okay. And yeah. and that's amazing that it's been used in commercial agriculture for years. And now it's finally making its way into the cannabis industry, which is a good thing. It's innovative. It's new. Right. I, I do you have know. to add, though, in order to do that type of work, you do need a, a, a sterilized environment, a room. So you need one of those big, like, hood fans. Like, you know, it costs anywhere from, like, nine to, like, $30,000 for that one piece of equipment to be able to actually make sure there's no particles that are going to end up flying into that, you know, like. Oh, wow. So, it, yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's not home it's not grower. Cheap. It's, it's not, not for home grower. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, actually, so um, uh, Athena actually came out with like a tackle box size uh tissue culture kit so again wow. it has to so again this is a very important thing about it right you can't have it in a big room you it because it's, it's the size of a tackle box and it has instructions and like the gel and tell you exactly what to do uh but the thing about it is that it uh, it's too small to do like in even like a bedroom you basically have to sit inside like a little tent Right. Just for you and that, you know, you inside and like that to make sure you're sterilized, like in the sense of like clean clothes, wear a mask. Right. And like try to do your thing you know, like that, too. And then you could end up doing tissue culture. But the thing that they have tissue culture uh, kits at home, like it's meant for like um, people that do like uh, rare African plants, like flowers. Like, oh. it's, and yeah, to get it to root, it's very difficult in other parts of the world. So they do it under tissue culture standards. And it's basically a big box, plastic container box with like holes on it. So you can put gloves and like oh. do your thing. Like it's like it, it's for sale. A kit, Amazon, eBay, wherever. Google it. Like it's not this isn't like new technology. But we're just right. really applying it to fight off diseases and also uh, bring uh, back a uh, plant vigor uh, to some yeah, of these healthier plants. Strains. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been doing I, I'm always learning, always something. New, always you know? learning. There's well, you know, in this industry, now that it's finally taking off and it's finally legalized in how many now is it? we're almost to half of the states now. Right. Twenty three, I believe. Something like that. I think like, and I forgot how many medical, I think like 30 some medical. Yeah, there's over, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're over half yeah. with medical. Now, they're, they're, normally. They're going to delay it forever, man. <laughs> now, see, this is where I hope it follows prohibition because oh. once it got up to 25, the, the Fed stepped in. So we're the almost there. It's gotten so, to the point like, well, once half the country says, yes, you got to start thinking about it. So I have to mention this because now we're about to actually next year get into a political year, right? Uh, Connecticut, yes. we're always in a political year. It's either local or state. We're always yeah, right. The legislator meets right. every year, and they're always right. But this is something right. important to actually that I have to bring up uh, because uh, I don't know if you know, but there's at the first cannabis super PAC uh, came about it's oh, called really? Legalize America. Yes, headed by Cheerleaf. Oh God, and also. Two gigantic Canadian companies. Who are the biggest ones? You already know the names. Oh, what is it? The one uh, uh, begins with a K. Canopy. And? And. Um, uh, a. Oh, uh, what is no. it? Kronos. Kronos, <laughs> right. All Ks. Yes. Uh-huh. And also, Scott's miracle Grow. So we see what their super PAC is going to be pushing for. And Corporate this is what I have to point out, industry. right? You have 
a Russian company owned company as the head of this super PAC, two Canadian companies, right? And a massive corp uh, American corporation. Those three, that means that's three um, foreign influencers, a Russian and two Canadians, now legally yep. allowed to influence American politics via the super PAC. Wow. And Scott signed right into that one. Of course, Scott thinks they can make a ton of money off fertilizer. They want to capture the market and it'll be garbage. It'll be they don't get it. garbage. You know how they don't, you know how much they don't get it? They ended up buying uh Lux Lighting for $215 million. And now I guess they're under the lawsuit because they sold them false um data. Oh, really? Yo, that this some of this stuff just right that it just writes itself. It's so comedic that they don't understand that it is this is a community based. This ends up being different when you know, like you can't you can't mass produce it, and you every time you try, it fails, and you see yes. it clearly stepping back. Yeah, because what happens is like we look at a state like Mass. Okay, in the beginning, it was only corporate operators, Netta, and whoever. But once you got the small growers who were starting to grow decent product and it was starting to get more and more into the market, smaller dispensaries, boutiques, they the consumer made their choice. They made their choice. Well, I have this stuff that was grown uh, right here in Mass in a small farm, looks really good, smells really good. Or I have this cure leaf stuff next to it. Hey, maybe the cure leaf stuff is $5 cheaper. But I also know that this so they're gonna pick the good stuff over the corporate all the time and and now you're seeing it now you're seeing it and this is why they want to get in early because they want to keep the small guy out because those are the people who take away their market share and and help put them out of business they would love the industry to be entirely corporatized like the beer industry used to be right like the cigarette failed. industry failed, is though. So this is that. So this is what I guess. Well, the people the, spoke in the beer industry, right? But they, it's not stopping them from the federal side either. Though they're still going to go for it because this is how they're looking at it. I'm imagining, right? Um, they're looking at it like we'll be first to the bag. We'll be able to clean up everywhere, and then ultimately the model isn't sustainable. So we'll be in for like five or six years, and then we'll pull out and move on to something else. We already got the money and let them do what they think because they know for a fact that the smaller ones have better product at the smaller ones. Every time, like, nobody's like, oh, Cure Leaf is doing a new drop today. Cure Leaf has got that new, you know, whatever. Fire, right. Nobody is saying that. A TheraPlant, nobody is saying, oh, my God, they got that new Alpha Alpha 2 Mega. Like, right. nobody, they're not even growing. As a matter of fact, Connecticut isn't even growing, like, regular weed. They're growing something that they made up. Right. Right. Made up names. and Made up names. All yeah, all kinds. And, that, and that's something, too, that comes with the branding and the marketing. If you're not a brand and people don't know that they're not just go, you're not really going to have that type of success. So you have to actually work heavily on you. And the people that have, uh, you know, legacy brands, underground brands, uh, you know, those brands are the ones that will actually be uh, pretty successful businesses in the legal uh, uh, realm versus you know, I don't know, whatever, blah, 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 you know, right. it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I, I mind you, if, if you don't believe me, nobody believes me, that's okay. You can look at the market because we have finally crossed over December of last year, December 12th in 2022, it was 10 years 
that Colorado legalized. Yes. We just passed 10 years. Yep. Yep. For the first state. So we just passed one decade with Colorado. And look what happened with Colorado. A lot of big companies started pulling out. They started leaning more towards the um, the uh, smaller guy. They started also, you could also end up looking at their policies and their tax brackets and all that stuff and how it ended up playing out. How the money that was supposed to originally end up at, you know, um, to the school system, less than like 10% actually did end up in the school system over the right. years. Right. Like, it's been such an unbelievably like it's it's a great point of data. Look what happened, and that's what we're all heading towards. And Washington next, right? Look what happened in Washington, Oregon. Look what's happening in California. All the we're seeing all the early early states now. All the problems that are encountered now, we should learn from that, but. <laughs> where the politicians don't seem to think the same way that the community does. <laughs> and I, know. I, I, so, I yeah, get asked it's, everywhere. It's, I get asked everywhere. How do, as a, how do we, is it what's wrong with the cannabis industry? How can we fix it? I was like, I always say the government, uh, they don't, uh, they, yeah. it's like a new grower, right? They just don't have the experience and understanding knowledge to actually deal with it. And then they're just not willing. Each state doesn't want to listen to the next one unless they're figuring out some scheme to work together. You know, right. it's still, <laughs> it's still wild. Like, you know, you look at, as a matter of fact, you look at one that I'm looking very close ends up being the one between Connecticut and New York. If you look yeah. at like that, like Connecticut ended up being corporate with a little bit of equity. It's weird. That's a whole like other. Yeah. The whole equity York. thing. My God. Yeah. Not it's, equity. Equity is being used as uh, equity across the country is being used as a tactic to actually delay, uh, you know, uh, applicants on a massive scale in New York. Yeah. No for equity applicants, Dasney told landlords um, that they could end up charging them triple the rent for equity applicants. For equity applicants, they're called the guard applicants over there. And uh, wow. a different like that too, because if a cannabis like Dasney said, and there's and that and mind you, Dasney is the organization for New York. It's D A S N Y uh, for New York to make sure that their people are not getting taken advantage of, and they're the ones that are saying it every yeah. time. It ends up being a massive problem. It's usually because of uh, regulators and politicians making the wrong decisions because they don't have the proper education the proper understanding or experience to deal with all this. So they say, Hey, I've paid, you know, I've got a lot of money behind this. Trust me. And that's, and that might work for like major manufacturing, but it doesn't work for cannabis. No, you can't treat it like it's a, a it's a, an assembly line. It doesn't work that way. No, no. I mean, look at the tobacco industry. It's, you know, you, it's, there's no such thing as good tobacco. Tobacco is just as much of a sacred medicinal plant as cannabis, right? The Native Americans thought of it as a medicinal, healing, spiritual plant. And look what we did to it, which cannabis I put in the same category. Look right. what we did to it. Look at that crap. We turned it into a, a huge corporate business that is now killing people. You know, how no many? Money. Those are processed cigarettes, not tobacco. If you end up, if you are a smoker, a cigarette smoker, please go to a local farmer's market. You can buy right. a whole tobacco leaf. You end up taking like you wrote, you grind it up. You end yep. up pre-making your cigarettes. And I'm telling you, especially the ones that oh, I like the, the tobacco from Virginia. If I'm able to actually get my hand on some tobacco, 
Oh, it tastes so That's good. Right. And I used Re- to be a cigarette smoker. It's the processed cigarettes and all those other chemicals that they and we're add gonna, to it. They're going to do the cannabis part. too. They, they, if you look, put it in it's the not working, hands, though. It's not working. It's no, not working. it's not. <laughs> and this is why the cigarette industry is so closed. Virginia is one of the few states that still allows smaller tobacco growers to grow mm. tobacco for the consumer virginia is one of the few uh but most other states connecticut used to be a heavy duty tobacco growing state now all we grow and i don't even think we do this anymore were the outer leaves for like dutch masters and stuff like that but even that i think is gone so i mean yeah it's really closed it and made it into a small industry so my fear is when they do federally legalize it and then nationalize it where you can have interstate trade now you're going to be having cure leaf with one giant plant somewhere in you know wherever virginia wherever no no they're not they're not growing anymore they're just processing okay let's say another truly yeah shipping it out it's going to be the the entire country yeah it's It's going to be the the entire country yeah yeah. Mind you, who I mean, who's got who's got who's got Miracle Girls connected to? Yeah, it's ridiculous, you know. And and it's up to us, the people who are in the community, the the people who are still down here, trying to help the actual people, the patients, the consumer, make sure they have good products, make sure they they know how to home grow, so they don't have to buy from these dispensaries you know it's up to us to keep continuing and then keep doing the cause we can't give up it's unfortunate you know you would think oh we got legalization the government the state will take care of it from here no 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 we should have known better this battle even the craft beer guys have went through you know the craft beer guys they cracked the, the corporate industry, you know, they were able to do it. We were able to do it. And yeah. the craft beer guys are still fighting the fight. They're always, you know, trying to hold them back from selling in package stores. Right. And things like yeah. that. So they're constantly having to go back. And so are we. We're going to have to constantly go back and get these laws to where they're more fair for the people. And I agree with you about the equity. I was just so disgusted in the way that Connecticut implemented equity uh, that it's a sham. It's a sham. It's just a sham. Another way for the corporate operators to get in on it in a few years, they'll buy out their licenses and own them anyway. You know, it's just a scam. They allowed it to become a scam. And you know what? Uh, something that I've, there's, there's lawsuits happening right all over the place. There's investigations starting to pop up about, you know, them using, uh, you know, big MSOs, um, you know, the MSO, but yeah, big MSOs are actually using their own network of, um, of like dispensaries and cultivation facilities across the country to actually like backdoor stuff. And the yeah, state, sure. so it, it shows up, let's say, right. It ends up being grown in California. In metrics, it's sold. It's in California, and now it shows that it's sold in California. But it wasn't sold in California. It actually ended up going across the country, getting sold from the back door. They get the money back, and they actually pay their taxes. 
Yeah. They're still paying their taxes. So the state is like, the system says this. They paid us. I mean, whatever. Yeah, but they're going to they're going to turn a blind eye to these right. Guys. But then just like they looking, let them get away with mold. Right, but then you end up looking at the actual numbers and like, wait a minute, they pay enough taxes to equal like I think it ended up being anywhere from like eighteen to like twenty percent of California's total sales. Are you kidding me? That's impossible. But they don't look at it. So the state starts, we got to investigate, but the state doesn't want to really investigate because they took the money. Yeah. And then what are they going to do? Give it back? Metrics is rigged. And that's why, oh, I've got from metrics from seed to sale. It's rigged. The system is not rigged. Excuse me. It's super flawed. Right. And what's, and the biggest part about this ends up being is that the regulators, the politicians don't understand how this is actually being like networked throughout the whole country. So they don't know how to actually fight it off or actually have regulations or better, you know, tracking system. The whole thing from seed to sale just makes it that much easier for like you to, um, you know, uh, hide your stuff. Because that's what the system does. That's what you punched in. Yeah. All right, Lou. So we got about two minutes left. Tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of Gene Traders, how they can get a hold of you and any events you got coming up in the future. So uh, gene-traders.com, and we are always ended up putting um, our information on most of our social medias and on all platforms at Gene Traders. Uh, but just to kind of, I've, I've actually let quite a bit of information out there and just kind of give, you know, a leave lighthearted. Um, there is not a shortage of us fight, uh, of fighters and warriors out there that are going to continue on this. Ultimately, it will end up actually, you know, um, straighten itself out, but not after a lot of fight and not after a lot of like bad negative press actually coming from the MSOs. And the, uh, actually, I'll just say bad actors. Right. right. They're just at, they're not on our side. They're not on the medical side. And what's most important to actually protect them being the home grower, because if they can tell you to not grow one plant, they can tell you to grow another plant. Maybe they how about they tell you that you can't grow your own food in your backyard? Yeah. No more basil. That's it. For some whatever reason or onions or, or potatoes or, you know, whatever. Something to keep it like that, too. It's just too close. So. Protecting the home cultivator, especially for medical purposes, because we know being sick in America is expensive. Yes. Yes. And to if be you able can... to grow your own medicine at home, it's incredibly important. It is incredibly important. I've always felt that. And we, we, we campaigned on this. I've always felt that cannabis should just be as legal as growing tomatoes. You know what I mean? Simple. As long as you don't sell it. There... Medicinal plants. Yeah, there are tons of medicinal plants you can grow right in your own garden. Tons that are legal. You can use them for medicine. There's no reason why cannabis should not be included along with those other plants, right? You can grow St. John's wort, right? You can, if you can find out, figure out how to grow ginkgo, you can grow it. Any of these things are medicinal and they're not restricted. So some of the best, some of the best medical grower caregivers um, and uh, home growers have the best weed in the country, like truly do like some of the 
best ever. It's just so unreal. And it ultimately, it's just about um, quality. And so yeah. get everybody, that's my end message for everybody. Homegirls have it above big MSOs. Quality, always. And with that, we will close out the show. Lou, always a pleasure. Great conversation. A lot of great knowledge coming out. Go back and rewatch this show. You got a lot to learn if you if you want to know about home grow and all that. And get in touch with Lou and Gene Traders, gene-traders.com, at Gene Traders on the uh, social media. Lou, thanks again. Always a pleasure. We'll see you there out there on the battlefield, my friend. All right. Thank you, Uncle Lou. We missed you this week. But you can get a hold of me at Joe the Weed Guy on Instagram, Facebook, at Greenhaven Media, Instagram and Facebook, and also Cannabis Corner Radio. Thanks again. I had a great time in Connecticut. We love you all. And we'll see you next week. Peace out. Before I got high, come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester, and I know why. Why, baby? Hey, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high.